0: I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marvel. And this is the Lantern
1: Cast. Episode 321, I believe.
0: That's right. We are talking about the final two parts of the superhuman trafficking arc. We are talking issues number 42 and 43 of Green Lanterns. I'll be taking 42. Mark will be taking 43. And uh, let's kill this pig. (laughs) All all because
1: you people did not (laughs) send in your review, so we have to do this. And we will not let you ever forget
0: this. (laughs) All all we can ascertain from that is that you guys didn't like it just as much as we didn't. (laughs) Because otherwise, the people who have been defending the Green Lantern's title might have spoken up and said something (laughs) in response to that request. So... Hey, Mark and Chat, you guys, you're down on the Green Lanterns title a little too much. I actually like it. Let me jump on a chance to explain to you why. Well, none of you did it. So, <laughs> I guess that means none of you liked it. <laughs> uh, but let's get into why you didn't like it. So, uh, starting with issue number 42, we open on the Orion Molecular Cloud Complex. Um This is... uh,
1: No transluminous space?
0: No. (laughs) This is a a, a staging area for the Order of the Steed. Uh, Night Pilot is being uh, um, escorted by a derlin to... Before
1: uh, before you go any further, this thing has... This thing has, has and or mentions Durland's and Coon's. So the mere fact that they go back to that, that's a good reason to just make you want to put a bullet in your head right away.
0: <laughs> and um, the Durland reveals tonight Pilot that he, she, it, it which, I, I mean, I, technically, if you're talking a, a race of uh, sentient shapeshifters, is there really gender on, on on a place place like Durla, there may be how
1: you're. I mean, how you you may be born that way. I mean, I I kind of assume that the, she, that he she it that she really was a she in her original in her normal state. She's a she, but you are you are correct. It's 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 anyone's guess. So it may not be. So I it, it may not be overly lesbianic. The fact that she, she was she she's a chick pretending to be the dude to hook up with a chick. <laughs>
0: Uh, But either way, uh, she reveals herself to have been Equilibrian, which is uh, a quote-unquote hero of Earth who dated Night Pilot uh, on a date after Simon did using the Caper app. Um, She basically sends her off to be processed. Then meanwhile, over on Mogo, uh, Jessica and... John are speaking with, uh, or Jessica and Simon rather are speaking with John uh, about the situation. John, uh, via uh, Mr. Dasam, which is one of the lanterns, he's he's essentially their uh, legal counsel. (laughs) Yeah, legal counsel (laughs) says says essentially that this uh, area of space has uh, religious rights. You know, this whole area is kind of like a no fly zone unless you have like extreme proof of some wrongdoing the lanterns aren't really allowed to enter that area. Well Q uh, Simon and Jessica uh, along with scraps and uh, flying in on a ship as I guess supplicants to this steed order uh, so that they can you know not go under the guise of green lanterns so they're not breaking any rules. Converts, they're converts, right? Yeah, yeah. Simon and Jessica are on this transport ship, which is packed full of people, which is obviously setting Jessica on edge. She throws a bit of a jab at, at, uh, you know, believers or whatever. Um, People only believe in a God so that they can have a voice other than theirs, tell them they're okay, but it's a lie. It's just their own voice. which someone else overhears and gives her the stink eye. And Jessica's like, I didn't really mean that, which she's more gearing towards Simon because he is a man of faith in some regard. Um, she essentially says she's jealous. This is how you're supposed to deal with life. You're uh, supposed to reach out to others and find comfort and friendship. You're supposed to surround yourself with love. But here's me. I'm just so used to being alone that it didn't even occur to me to try dating again. I'm so used to being alone. I don't know if I'd, Recognize a good match it. We're sitting in front of me. It's funny, you know, who Caper picked for me. And that's when Scraps interrupts and says, Travel's over. So they go to um, the High Rider because the guy it's the Church of the Steed, so the High Rider, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, and he's giving kind of a sermon about everything that's going on. Jessica and Simon use this opportunity to... Uh, along with Scraps, to sneak kind of behind the scenes. At this point, they set all of the superhuman individuals kidnapped from Earth free to confront the High Rider. The High Rider and the Durlins alongside of him join hands and sort of activate something very clearly, uh, which essentially mind controls all of these uh, superhumans. So what happens is they start fighting Simon and Jessica, while the High Rider gets away, uh, Jessica and Simon are doing everything that they can. They're not doing very well, but uh, Jessica finds out that there's some sort of implant in them, so she opts to do cosmic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really called that, but might as well be. It's um, She picks up that they're receiving a signal, so she tells Simon while she's doing her thing to concentrate his efforts onto the various priests uh simon gets decked taken out of the pitcher a derlin uh confronts him and uh, this is equilibrian uh which says you know he's kind of trying to throw simon off his game because you know the ring requires concentration requires willpower how can you have much will knowing that the woman you prefer whatever opted for me instead you know uh, kind of a thin alibi whatever um scraps meanwhile is making her way through the facility uh, and she says, uh, tell me, Scrafts, to kill the rider, will you shoot the steed? And the High Rider is transferring his energy and consciousness into uh, Night Pilot, and it's his next pilot's crash. Before we get into tearing this thing a new one, um, I have to say I like the art.
1: I was going to say the same thing. Not Jon Stewart. John Stewart looks weird but the art but the art is very good uh, I think Jessica looks good Night Pilot looks very good I actually like the way Simon's drawn too I like the way that he is actually drawn in a way that completely distinguishes him from Jon Stewart uh, which is not always the case obviously when he's wearing a mask it's harder but I mean when you see him without his mask uh, Mr. Dasum there their legal counsel he looks he's pretty cool I like uh, the rider with his ho- little his horse mask that, that, Which
0: is funny because at, at some point in this, you do see a uh, they're referring he's the the high rider's referring to kind of his story kind of how I guess how he founded this religion uh, and just saying he was saved by the nebula um, and they show a picture of the nebula and it's the Horsehead Nebula is that I mean that's safe to assume right it's the Horsehead Nebula that we've all seen in pictures from like Hubble and stuff and. That's why it's like the Church of the Steed.
1: I would assume that makes okay. sense.
0: Scratch. Oh, and I should say Good I I, sh- I should say just while I'm on it. Writer Tim Seeley, Pencils, uh, V Ken Marion, Inks, Sandu Florea, Colorist, Denai Rubiero, uh, Letterer Dave Sharp, cover by Will Conrad and Ivan Nunez, variant cover by Brandon Peterson, assistant editor. Uh, Andrew Marino, editor Mike Cotton, group editor Brian Cunningham.
1: It's interesting so. on the, uh, the cover with the all must be sacrificed cover that for some reason they don't have a Seely's name on it. Hmm. That Sorry. threw me off and made me have to go back and reread it. It's like, did I, did I miss the first time that Seely didn't actually write that issue? But it's like, nope, that must have been an oversight not to put him on a cover.
0: And you have the printed cover? Yeah. Or the printed issue? I have the digital, and it says Sealy. Oh,
1: does it? it. Yeah. So we're, we're above Marion.
0: Uh, it says Sealy, Bagenda, Gray, and Ariola.
1: That sounds like it's a different cover. What's the co- which which cover? Which cover is yours? Uh,
0: well, I the digital has yeah, two. Yeah, I know you have it's, I know
1: you have you yeah, both, but which one are you looking at?
0: <laughs> I'm looking at the one that says All Must Be Sacrificed.
1: Yeah, that's different, because my co- my my printed cover with with. Uh, the writer wearing his horse head, and them basically on um, you know being crucified. Essentially, all it says is Marion, Florea, and R- Ribiera.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, the variant cover is Simon and Jessica doing some sort of weird Shakespearean thing. Yeah, so. Boy. But uh, and, and here before we before we uh, get into it, we this episode is going to be short. We're not very big fans of this. I will say, it's it both is and isn't the fault of Tim Seeley. Okay, it is his fault in the term of in terms of this is the story arc he chose to go with, and the, I, I think of both of our problems with this is not that it's necessarily badly written or badly drawn. It's just a story we have zero interest in. You betcha. Because. Because we don't really care about the, the religious uh, stuff. We don't really care about these. Uh, uh, it, it, may, it For all we know, and and we didn't get this story, but for all we know, this may have taken a drastic turn if it included a bunch of C-list characters from the DC universe instead of these random, nobody's ever heard of them fucking heroes. So that that could have changed things drastically. We don't know. All we know is what we have. What we have, it's not badly written. There's some good moments with Simon and Jessica. There's some good moments with the core. There's good balance in them going undercover, then taking on scraps. But the whole of it is just not that interesting, and we don't care. So it's Tim Seeley's fault in the fact that this is the storyline he chose to devote several issues to. But it's not his fault in the terms that I'm looking at this and going, "What a shit story! It's so poorly written, and the characters are so poorly characterized." And it's not the artist's fault because, like we just got through saying, we like the art. It's just a bad story. It's a bad choice. But now that's that's from my end. I don't want to speak for you, Mark, no, but you I feel can't. like that's sort of where we're at on this one.
1: No, I think you, I think you pretty well summed it up. I think that's the. Uh i think i think ultimately it's it's a it's a story that we re, we really don't we really don't care about uh it has nothing again yeah i mean you you put it el you may put it eloquently so i can't really beat that it's just that for the for the most part and this isn't counting the whole jessica's ring volthoom cork stuff that's going on now spoiler alert but whatever. Not that I've read anything beyond the first issue of this arc yet. I have to get my comics. I'm like, I think two issues of Core behind and one issue of Green Lanterns behind. So I'm going to get them tomorrow.
0: I'm behind on all of my comics. Yeah,
1: I got like I think I
0: think one of my favorites, uh, Batman White Knight, just wrapped, and I'm several issues behind that. That's the one with Sean Gordon Murphy, which I adore. So I can't even believe I'm that far behind on that one.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to try to. I'm, I'm definitely going to get my books tomorrow because I I didn't get a chance to get them last week. So, but that being said, up until the arc that probably is going to, you know, the one that's going to basically wrap up Sealy's time on this book, the reality is that the, the stories that he's focused on, it's not that they've been poorly written at all, they just haven't been overly enthralling, or over or, and this is kind of, I mean, this is a little unique, not the whole religious cult slash, you know, whatever. Or the or the religion going off the rails, going to an extent. I mean, we've seen that in, in in a billion different ways, in a billion different forms of art. Uh, so that's not new. But the, the superhero app thing, I guess you you have to give him credit. That was kind of cute, and it was it was a little different. But it's not yeah, it's not a, it's not thrilling. It's not it's not great when you already have a book that, by the very nature of how it how it was created and how it exists. That this does not, this isn't kicking up, kicking it up a notch. If anything else, you know, it just it, it's like you keep taking your foot off the gas more. I don't think, to me, and I, and I would assume you're, you know, ten billion years ago or not. I think you would agree that the uh, Humphreys run, on this book, was better than the Seeley run, or more interesting overall.
0: Thus far, I, 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 after I was rereading these issues because I have them digitally, so that means I can just close one and open the next. Um, after I was rereading these issues for this episode, I started opening the issue 44 to start reading that arc. Um, but just based on the tag scene at the end of of your issue that you'll be covering here shortly, uh, I may have more interest in that. So, I mean, thus, b- based on using 43 as an endpoint to his run, having not read the other the next arc. I would agree with you on that front. in terms of In terms of stories uh, that have held my interest or that I've cared about, now not, that's not to say that Humphrey's run was like leaps and bounds better than Seely's. It's just you're sort of comparing. Um, I don't know. Uh, pomegranates and pears. Neither are fruit I eat. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a good chat. Yeah, it's it's not apples and oranges, both of which I like. It's pomegranates <laughs> and pears, which I have, which I have no real interest in. But maybe one of them is <laughs> slightly better than the other. But
1: but I think but Humphreys at least picked some more interesting topics. I mean, he got yeah. he got to. You know, he he got even not that we talk about characters that actually they're kind of overdue for, it, which I'll mention them later on the episode. But the character, uh, the Red Lanterns. I mean, they've been they've been they've been out of the picture for a while now, considering they started this whole book. <laughs> yeah, he got to – he used you know he used the Red Lanterns. We got the fa- we got the Phantom Lantern. We got we got Volthoom. who was the one who showed up in this book. Uh, Polar- Polaris was this one, right? Polaris was this one. Yeah. Yeah uh so and then we got to go back to you know the the whole origin of all Thum and the how, how as, as lame as it was how you know he was defeated the first time which was I did that part that was kind of going off the rail so even if he had stayed on the book I don't know if it would have gotten much better but that the topics in that book the the arcs were and where I were much more interesting to me pretty much almost everything in this book since. Uh no, not really. So I I'm I'm a, at least somewhat interested in the whole Jessica's ring thing, but we'll have to see we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's a, this book is a tough sell, man. I mean this book is not has nothing and it has nothing to do with liking Jessica. In all honesty, it doesn't even have that much, to, but a little bit more to do with. Simon Baz's likability and his reason to exist in a, in a Green Lantern Corps with so many other Earth Green Lanterns and beyond all the non-Earth Green Lanterns. And just all the other Lanterns that are much more interesting than Simon Baz, regardless of their color. It's just a hard book. It's a hard sell. It was always a hard sell. We can keep going back to that with the stuff we talked about when this book was announced, that it was almost impossible for this book long term to survive in the next incarnation without DC just saying we want this to book this that we want this book to survive and until it starts selling 8000 copies a month. 8000 8, copies per, per issue <laughs> that we're not going to even think about canceling this book because oh we have plans or because Jeff Johns has plans for these car- or whatever excuse you want to come up with unless DC had made that decision all along that there was no way this book really could last in its current incarnation, because it isn't that interesting. Right. So, and I think we are got, you know, and obviously now it seems, you know, it's pretty much been, I guess, confirmed now that we are getting a new Green Lantern, what, number one, with Grant Morrison? Uh, I don't know I mean, about
0: 100% confirmed. It was, has that crossed the wire I, yet?
1: I thought that was, I thought there was a, I thought Jim showed me something that was a solicit for it. I'll try to. I'll try to I'll look it. it
0: up because uh, you because you still need to cover your issue yeah
1: I know I'm, I was gonna say once we get once I get done covering the issue I, I can I can go pull it up but I don't think it would take me long anyway because it wasn't out long ago I think so yeah I just think that it's a it's a it's not an easy sell for whoever who whoever got this book but I just think that this they could have gone with a in a better or more interesting direction. And even the whole setup of why the store... of why, And we'll talk about this after I do a relatively quick, I think, rehash of my my issue. We'll talk about the whole motivation for Simon to get into this mess, and then how it... And how that plays into the, the resolution at the end. So... But I would point out, I would point out before I roll into my issue, that uh, these, these two issues do fall into my usual category of I really thought nothing of them when I first skimmed through them, but then when I went back and reread them, I did not hate them nearly as much as I did when I first read them.
0: (laughs) Um, Nothing new on the Grant Morrison front that I can see. Everything I see online is sourced from around that initial April 20th sort of time frame where that rumor ran rampant.
1: No, I looked at an article this week I don't know where I, fa- I don't know where I found it from I don't, it doesn't look like Jim posted anything I thought let's take a look maybe maybe you're right maybe it's the same thing from the week of the 20th
0: um, yeah um, I'm not seeing anything on my end at least although I did find an interesting article the art of Green Lantern three local artists quiz DC comics Doug Monkey but this is from 2011. The reason I say it's interesting is because it's from the Austin Chronicle. So what three local artists are they talking
1: about? Oh. Interesting. All right, so you want me to roll into this issue? Go for it. I actually think – as I was rereading them, I actually thought your issue was more interesting than mine. It's just that I already told you I was taking 43, so I didn't want to do back. Well, you know
0: – you know, I'm never gonna remember what we agreed to take. I know take that left. does
1: tend that mm-hmm. does tend to happen, but I do. But being ethical, I do feel bad about you know <laughs> if I if I already say, oh, I want this issue just because I. Oh, mostly, I took it because I remembered how this issue ended, and and I thought, okay, at least I know that part is wor- is discussion worthy. I I didn't really remember about much of what else happened in either one of the issues. I just I thought it was actually one of those issues. I thought both issues were relatively confusing when I first skimmed through them, but then when I went back and reread them last night, they at least made relatively a good amount of sense, especially because I, I, I can barely remember what happened in the previous parts of this story since it's been so long since we did it. <laughs> so, alright, so let's... Uh, I'm jumping into issue 43. I have the Swarmed in a, by a Hero Horde cover. So the creative team on this sucker. Superhuman Trafficking Part 4. Sealy, Ken Marion... Uh, Florea, let's see, Ribeiro, Sharp, cover Conrad and Nunez, variant cover Brandon Peterson, editor Andrew Marino, Cotton and Brian Cunningham. So pretty much the same, the same suspects um, as in the uh, first first issue. So we basically begin with Jessica talking about how uh, more, more or less uh, we we zero in and we see the little implant in the brains. We get a close up. Of the implant that's actually in the brain of one of these superheroes, and how Jessica's focusing focusing in on it and doing this extremely complex surgical extraction procedure by somebody who, who just barely who is barely not sucking now with her power ring. Uh, she's barely graduated to the state to the status of not sucking with her power ring. So then we see. I like the fact that we see Jessica kind of sitting sitting there in like almost in a med- meditation like or yoga like pose as she's like basically doing everything she just did to this one superhero, and then she's kind of like doing it, like multiply it by like 20, and so she's in the process of basically kind of like de- probing uh, all, all these all these heroes, taking out their mind control device. Simon is still dealing with, with the Durlin in the equilibrium form, and they, they kind of go back and forth. We The Durlin plays up again how she doesn't have, how he, she, it doesn't have any humor, and... <clears throat> And he just points out that that was one of the the recurring themes that she kind of recognized in herself and going on all these quote-unquote dates with the superhumans about how humor was pretty important on Earth, but not in, you know, not not in their culture. Uh, More taunting about how, you know, about how Night Pilot is like, you know, how Simon seems completely, and this is a valid point, he seems completely (laughs) dedicated-slash-obsessed with somebody who he barely, you know, he only... Spent a you know a, a few dates with, and who, who obviously didn't even prefer him over whoever came next. Uh, now we cut to Scraps taking on Night Pilot, and yes, now we now we get the full like Chad kind of alluded to at the end of last issue, which may not have been clear just by looking at the depict the art how last issue ended, but indeed that the uh, what is the what what is the, the, the writer what's the full high, high rider. rider high high yeah. Rider? yeah high Rider. High rider. High rider yes that the high rider has taken over uh night pilot uh using night pilot's body uh, so more you know so they keep you know they keep going back and forth scraps gets in a position to take a full shot at, at with her gun at night pilot but we find out one of the uh one of the you know weaknesses i guess of of the omega men is that they won't accept collateral collateral damage so she's unwilling to pull the trigger Jessica is uh <clears throat> Jessica's pretty much running on a time limit now as her ring kinda tells her that more or less she has a minute to remove the rest of these uh devices out of all these hero these heroes or else uh, as the ring nicely puts it, these superheroes are gonna blow a rivet. Real nice. Uh the Dur- the Dur- you know, the we kinda see the what the male, I guess the male Durlan kinda like is uh that's a really freaky form. The male Durlin kind of, like, transforms into the female Durlin, uh, the Equilibrium chick. She keeps fi- she keeps fighting Simon, and then she tries to play all these head games with Simon, uh, kind of like what, uh, Mystique does to Wolverine, I think, in X- X-2, I think, when he- she transforms into, like, everybody, Jean Grey and Storm and and all the stuff, so she transforms into the night pilot, she transforms into Jessica, before she transforms back into herself, and, you know, I like Simon, kind of like gives her like a nice shot to the, shot to the gut with his, uh, with his power ring, and he basically slams one, slams one Durlin in, in, into the other, thinking that's gonna do something, except, of course, they're Durlins, and as they, she kind of points out, you know, it's, that's really not effective, because we can always become one, so now we get this super Durlin, which is really extremely unattractive, uh Simon Simon is still dealing with the Durl- the Durlins while Jess you know, Jessica does her magic and pretty much uh, gets gets all the devices out of the out of the hero out of the heroes at this point. Uh, I guess that that process and the fact that S- Simon's taken out the Durlin more or less kinda of like short circuits the control of that the high rider had over a Night Pilot. So once High Rider kind of regains, he literally regains his footing, he finds a gun right in his head, and Scraps is about to pull the trigger because in her mind, obviously, it's not, no more collateral damage because he's guilty. She, he kind of pleads for his life saying, please, I'm not the same as, you know, the, the the Citadel, which is what the Omega Men, you know, dealt with. You know, please, it's like, you know, there was, you know, it's it's, it's a message, you know, it's like it's it's like no message from the nebula. The universe is so big and isolating and life is so harsh and cruel. I just wanted to be someone. I just wanted my life to be worth something. So they more or less like slap the cuffs on him. And, uh, the legal, the legal counsel guy is there. It's kind of like, re, you know, re, reading, <laughs> telling him what is, what he's charged with. And tell him what he's won. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, now we're dealing with, you know, all, all, all the lost, all the lost, and the people who are basically, be, who are believing in the, in, in the, the Order of the Steed, and now they've been disillusioned, and Scraps kind of wants to help with them because of the fact that, you know, she wants to be security for them, since they, you know, they were lost and hurting, and they, they, they needed, basically, they th- they, they found, they needed to, fi- they were hoping to find something, and they found someone to give them new direction, and now it turns out it's a lie, which is interesting, because Kyle and Guy kind of make a cameo there. It's like, they need a new direction. Maybe they could use a guide, and Scraps is actually kind of volunteering. Now we have the whole night pilot reunion with, uh, with Simon, and she's all ha- and she's happy enough where now she's allowing him to call her by her first name. <laughs> Gee, thanks! Uh, Jessica doesn't seem particularly hap- happy about this. Uh, one week later, you know, Jessica's back in Portland, and she does a knock. Well, I was going to say a knock, but it's actually the doorbell. Simon's at her door. And she's kind of confused because she was, you know, it's like, well, my ring didn't tell me something was up. And she goes, no, this is just like a – basically it's like a social call. And, you know, I just wanted to talk about, you know, night pilot Veronica. And she's like, oh, yeah, how's that going? And he's, he's like, that's the thing. It's not. And now we get this kind of like – pardon me. We kind of get this psycho babble about the fact that Simon – like all of a sudden Simon seemingly has this, this uh, epiphany that – Oh, the only reason I really was attracted to her was because, you know, she was kind of like it was socially acceptable for me to be with her because, you know, she's a Muslim, you know, she's Arabic, she's a Muslim, like, you know, she'd make my family happy, and she was safe and all those things, and it's like, you know, and the only way I could see all this was because of you, Jess, as he puts his arm on her like like a patting her on the back, almost kind of. Thing and then uh, he keeps asking her again, like, uh, "By the way, who, who did Caper give you as a match?" And of course, she lies and she says, "Nightwing, I got Nightwing." And then Simon flies off and it's like, "Nightwing, huh? that's funny, I got you." And earlier, and as they were talking, Simon made the point of saying, you know, the, one of the things that he learned about, basically learned about her, is that she's not, a, she's not, a, that she's not afraid of being alone. That was his assessment of her. And after she flies off, we hear this, uh, Jessica's ring in her head talking to her. That's Simon, he always knows just the thing to say, except when he doesn't, right? Except, well, he's right about most of it, Jess. You are brave, you are strong. He was just wrong about one thing. You're not okay with being alone. In fact, you are never alone at all. Thus the end of the arc.
0: A couple things to say. Um, two of them about the Durlin. Uh, and both positive, actually, despite the fact that I just said they're about the Durlan. Um, <laughs> the uh, when you think about it, it makes sense that if they're going to have an agent on Earth, uh, kind of uh, capturing these people and you know, kind of recruiting, that it would be a shapeshifter because nobody's able been able to just pick up a pattern, other than the fact that they're all using caper. It's not like they're, it's not like um, it's all the same user that they matched with or something. So a shapeshifter makes sense. Um, So I kind of like that kind of subtle subtlety there. Um, Also, when Simon quote unquote defeats her, she reverts back into her sort of natural Durlin form, which is that weird tentacle monster that we saw during the Durlin War that they all really kind of are at their base levels. Um, so that was cool to see that sort of a shout out. Uh, another thing I'll say, cause I did, I don't want to say research. It's more just, you know, five minutes Googling, um, <laughs> but, uh, do you know, uh, what the ancient Vimana pilot helmet is that night pilot has? Uh, no,
1: I did not bother to look that up. I, I, I knew they, they said it as if it was something of relevance, but again, because I, Honestly, probably because I didn't care about this arc, I didn't bother doing the leg, the the, the legwork that you did, even punching even enough to type that word into into Google. <laughs> uh,
0: from Wikipedia, Vimana is a term used to describe mythological flying palaces or chariots described in Hindu texts and Sanskrit epics. The Pushpaka Vimana of the King Ravana, which was taken from the Lord Kubera and returned to him by Rama. Is the most quoted example of a Vimana. Vimanas are also mentioned in Jain texts. So essentially, uh, it's, it's a mythological um, apparatus or something from Hindu texts. It's also, because uh, I, I looked it up online, it's um, used partly in the mysteries and UFOology uh, of that side of the world. So, like, when you're watching shows like Ancient Aliens and stuff where they're talking about, you know, crop circles and various, um, various ancient texts that reference flying vehicles and so on and so forth, the Vimana is one example of mythological flying vehicles found and mentioned in texts like that put forth by uh, the Hindu religion.
1: So night pilot, so night pilot could have, her, she could she could have got the helmet from an ancient astronaut, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh,
0: according according to this, that's what it's saying. Uh, it could be an inherited thing. It could be maybe she just stumbled upon it in an archaeological day. I mean, we know nothing about this character, that's true. but um, the, uh, that's what they're referencing. That's why it's even listed in bold here.
1: Chariots of the Gods, starring Night
0: Pilot. So that's something I wanted to bring up, just because I, I looked that up and I thought that was interesting.
1: That is interesting, and that is a that is a cool thing, that is a good job by Sealy. Yeah. That, that's cool. That was a nice tie-in.
0: So, there's that. I just wanted to bring that up, and I wanted to bring up the Derlin thing. Uh, the rest of it, again, the art's still good. I just don't care about the story. That's all. Um, I thought it wrapped itself up fairly well. It was cool to see Jessica do some more cool stuff with her ring and sort of I I I like how Jessica isn't becoming an OP, like you know, so, like she's suddenly over her issues and suddenly the greatest Green Lantern there there ever was. Jessica, regardless of who's been writing her, she's been sort of slowly developing, and I like that. Let's keep slowly developing. Let's make her earn the sort of power level we assume they want her to have. Uh, there's There should not be a point in any of these stories unless it's like a huge, emotional, really well-done beat where Jessica should just all of, all of a sudden be on par with like Hal in terms of her ability to do, be a Green Lantern. So I like how she's doing these sort of feats. Uh, by no means is... <laughs> am I saying that like brain surgery on 20 people at once isn't a big feat. It's just that from the way they wrote that scene, it looks like she's using sort of, she's connecting to all of the brains at once. And because they're all human brains, she's sort of manipulating one thing at a time and it's translating into all 20. So she's essentially doing surgery on one in terms of what she's concentrating on. But, at the same time if that makes any sense so it's not like she's thinking about you know I need to move the left flange on brain number one the right flange in brain number two <laughs> you know like it's all being done simultaneously in each in each mind so
1: yeah it was it was, it was a different def, it, it definitely was a great uh, I think overall it was a very Great might be a little strong. It was a very, very good Jessica issue. Based yeah. on what even especially even especially considering what she was doing was super important, even though in a way when it came to the action pa- panel she pretty much was taking a background a lot of the time to what Simon was doing. But what she was doing was arguably much more important. <laughs> so I I I didn't I thought I mean it, the pro- one of my problems with this arc was this whole motivation is that Simon was wrapped up in this chick who we barely knew, who seemingly was blowing him off, and maybe because she was blowing him off, and that's why you know he was obsessed with uh, with her a little bit more. But, oh, je- uh, oh Night Pilot, I want to do all this for Night Pilot. Oh, I'm back together with Night Pilot. Then all of a sudden, yeah, you know what? I'm with her for all the wrong reasons, so now I'm just going to drop her like a hot potato. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Doesn't, still doesn't speak a lot for his depth of character because it's like you know what i think i, I think maybe the because may, maybe he was obsessed with her for the wrong reasons but it's still but he's but it's not like he really gave it much of a shot it was like one week later bye bye <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, after i you know now that i've tapped you three more times you know what i think i think you made the you were right when you walked out on me the last time I, I don't know. I thought it was. I thought the
0: motivation. I'm full. Was, of, I'm full of this all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to eat. I want to. I want to get my check and go home. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I think that uh, it was lame motivation to begin with for him to be so
0: I mean, enamored for
1: Veronica, and then and then he finally gets her back, and then eh, it's like you know, I'm you're I'm with you're you're trouble. I'm with you for the wrong reasons. <laughs> it's like. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought I thought I thought that part was kind of lame. The actual ending with the three hunters and stuff behind her, f- foreshadowing the arc that 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 we're in now, that was cool and relating to you know what uh, Jessica's issues were that led her to basically be locked in her apartment for years. That yeah. part was cool. The idea that the design the is most stuff with Simon. It's like, eh. all right, yeah. Thanks, people.
0: We really, really, we really wanted to go through this, but we did the best we could. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about these two issues or the arc as a whole?
1: No, I mean, it, it wasn't again. I it was not. As, it wasn't threshold. Let's put it that way. It was not that But even though I got to be honest with you, there are some elements of the story that reminded me of threshold. Hmm. There were. There just, there, I thought. I mean, I. I don't think that's an impossible analogy with you know what's going on behind the scenes and the hunter and all this stuff. Go, I just think. I think there are ties in there, in in a way. But it's not as convoluted or as dragged on as as threshold. But much like threshold, it was a story that, yeah, we definitely. We definitely wouldn't have cried if we never had to read it. <laughs> I'm show right. talk about it on the show.
0: All right. Well, you said you had a couple other things you wanted to bring up before we close out the episode?
1: Yeah. Did you Did you read the thing about the new Lego Aquaman
0: uh, DVD movie? I did not. I know they, they just came out with a Flash one, which I have yet to see, though I have seen the other recent um, DC animated releases, which are, um, well, I guess if we're just talking this year, Batman Gotham by Gaslight the recent suicide squad held to pay and i have seen batman ninja which is balls crazy <laughs> all i have to say about that one is japanese oh. <laughs> japanese palaces transforming into mechs and forming a voltron like figure in feudal japan <laughs> so if that's a spoiler suck it i don't care because everything about this is nonlinear storytelling and a surprise. so even if that's the biggest spoiler I could have possibly given you, there's still a shit ton of other stuff to completely distract and completely come at you from a, <laughs> a 90 degree angle so <laughs> it's insane it it's obviously it's not a it, it's a bad story <laughs> but this is clearly done because of... The art, not the story.
1: <laughs> yeah, we know there's, there's stuff. We've seen stuff like that. Well, this sucker is. This comes out on July 31st, and this is Lego DC Comics Superheroes Aquaman Rage of Atlantis. And what's interesting about this uh, is. Let me maybe read the synopsis first, and I'll throw the other little added bonus. And Lego and Lego, uh, it's one of those nights, people. And Lego DC Comics superheroes Aquaman: Rage of Atlantis. The King of Atlantis must make some difficult decisions to ensure the future of his ocean realm. Under attack from Atrocitus and the Red Lanterns, Aquaman realizes he must relinquish his sovereignty and go on a journey to regain his confidence. Sounds like Thor uh, before returning to his rightful throne. Along the way, Aquaman reunites with the Justice League, including Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and newest member Jessica Cruz Green Lantern to conquer Atlantis' latest enemy and reemerge as the ruler of the Seven Seas. And the, and the interesting other thing besides the fact that the plot includes the Red Lanterns and Jessica is that the Blu-ray combo DVD pack includes an exclusive Lego minifigure of Jessica Cruz, Green Lantern.
0: Ooh, shit. I'm going to have to get that.
1: While supplies last. So I just uh, happen to know I happen to know I happen to notice that today, so I thought that was uh I thought that would be Hey, seventy seven minutes, that's not bad.
0: Uh have you ever watched any of these before? Yeah, uh, like I've, uh, the Cosmic Clash or whatever with uh, Cosmic Boy and the Legion of Superheroes or the Legion of Doom stuff. Any of that stuff before?
1: Yeah, I've watched I I've watched them I think when they were on like Cartoon Network. I think I've watched I've watched some of them.
0: Um they're good. They're entertaining, and there's yeah, there's there's a lot of shout-outs to DC stuff. Don't get me wrong, guys. These are very clearly geared towards children. Um, but uh, and, it's and it's not like the animation is the best, either, because it is uh, sort of... Because they're Lego figures, it's going to be a more <sighs> boxy, you know, non- uh, fine CGI that they do this stuff with. Um... But it's well done. There's a lot of DC, cool DC shout outs. Um, I mean, there's always like a, just like everything, there's like a little moral to the story and stuff. But just, this one sounds odd. I mean, not that it's going to be bad, it's just that the Red Lanterns are attacking Atlantis. Like, that's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I thought, for, for actually, when I first
1: saw it, when I first read the article, the one I just sent you the link to, I thought they were talking about another video game. And then I looked at it, and then I realized, oh, it was a DVD. It was just a DVD release. And then I was thinking, yeah, it's kind of odd that they're that they're bringing back, bringing back the. Maybe not. It. At one level, it was more odd that they were bringing bringing in the you know, the Red Lanterns if it was just an animated movie. In in a way, it would have made more sense since they obviously were all introduced in the last in the Batman Lego one. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't know. I'm not sure why they picked the Red Lanterns. Not that I'm unhappy with it. And obviously, we know they picked Aquaman because they're just. Priming the pump for the movie that comes out in what November. So that's Wait, when's this come season. out? July. Okay. End of July. Gotcha. So so it's probably shameless self-promotion on that level to to pump up the uh, to pump up the movie. I'm sure there'll be a trailer by then. That they'll probably be on this Blu-ray release. Uh, so <clears throat> but I thought yeah I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting worth mentioning. The other, the only other, stuff, actually there are a couple of stuff related to uh, Infinity War that I saw this week. Uh, there was something I wanted to mention regardless of it, but this kind of ties into it. The, but before I do that one, not that this is probably going to convince you, but the Russos have did kind of once again reiterate this week that Adam Warlock is not going to be in, in Avengers Four. <laughs> Doesn't mean you'll believe it, but I, I I believe them because I think there's a there's a certain lot. Is it, they've been they have been pretty honest with stuff. They haven't been a lot of this old J.J. J. Abrams, oh, you know, he's not Khan kind of thing.
0: I'll say this. If it's the distraction, that's entirely possible. I will also say, though, that if they said, I didn't know that they said that. So uh, if if they said it, then maybe I'll back off a little bit. But I got to tell you right now, first of all, we know for damn sure it's not going to be Silver Surfer. Uh, oh, yeah, just no, just yeah. because of the stages of that deal and so on and so forth. Uh, at the time, all this was being filmed. So, if it's not Silver Surfer, because we know it, okay, it is not Silver Surfer. If it's not Warlock and it's not Silver Surfer, then whoever if it's Captain Marvel or somebody else, however they end up defeating Thanos, you better give me a damn good presentation on how, how, why this person, so on and so forth, because. In my mind, those two are sort of the perfect antithesis to go up against Thanos. So if you're going to pull somebody else into all of this mess, I need a reason to rally behind this character and and just go like, oh yeah, it really should be this person, realistically speaking. Because of the available characters we have... None of them really rise to the challenge for me except maybe Thor or Doctor Strange. And even then I'd just be like, eh, eh I guess. So I don't it, – it's got to
1: be a damn good reason why
0: blank person defeats Thanos.
1: Well, that, that's, well, maybe it's not going to be just one person that defeats that – but either way the, they they, had, they in that article they made the comment that they they really had no interest in just more or less rehashing a storyline verbatim for what happened in the comics that wasn't their role their role was to basically tell a story in the MCU so uh based on the 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 MCU the way it existed so that i think i be, i believe them because it's the same reason why captain marvel was originally supposed to be in avenger in infinity war but because she hadn't been introduced yet, and they didn't, like we talked about in the review episode, they didn't think it was supposed to be a proper place. for it. it's important to character to just drop her in without any kind of, of primer first, that I think that's why they did what they did with... And Adam Warlock is another character. We know we can't introduce Adam Warlock in the Captain Marvel movie, because Adam Warlock, you know, because the Captain Marvel movie was set, is set in the 90s. We may end up in modern times at the very end of the movie which you probably will, as a tie into her maybe receiving Nick Fury's call for help, and yes, in case we haven't I probably should have said that a second ago from here on out, there's gonna, we're going to be talking some spoilers in, in Infinity War, so if you're still trying to avoid Infinity War spoilers uh, do you, not, that was the after credit scene, so that really does. I mean, people, a lot of people may know about the after credit scene without knowing about all the specific things in the movie. But going forward, for a few minutes, there'll be some things referring to events in Infinity War. Well, Marvel.
0: till the end of the episode, we all you have left is Infinity War stuff, right?
1: Yeah, that's so. That's what okay. I'm saying. From here on okay. out, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, but Captain Marvel set in the past, and we know that the Adam Warlock stuff was after, was at least. In real time was either was two thousand fourteen go or going forward, depending how far after the end of the events of Guardians of the Galaxy that post credit scene in Guardians was supposed to be. Because the main bulk of Guardians, based on their time frame they established in the beginning of the movie, was was in twenty fourteen. Because they show you nineteen eighty with with Meredith and Ego and that says thirty four years later, which only takes you to twenty fourteen. So there's no way that that Adam Warlock would have existed back in the, in the 1990s so i don't think he's got there's room to in, he's going to be introduced but i i figured i would mention that because i think because it because it was they did reiterate that uh i know J, another thing james gunn mentioned that and you that groot's final you know, words to mm-hmm. rock here was dad which is kind of which is kinda, which is kinda heartbreaking sad. yes it is heartbreaking um and, uh, and as some people have pointed out accurately, it's another like middle finger to Peter since he's the one who was trying to act like the father of the group, and yet <laughs> it's still rocketed to group, which makes perfect sense, mind you. Of course it does, but and it, the, but the thing I really wanted to talk about, and I'll make it, is that originally I wanted to talk about Hulk and ba- Hulk and Banner's relationship because one of the thing that we didn't talk about this either, and a lot of not everybody, I'll get people, some people talked about this, but it was really overlooked. How Banner was able, I really want to talk about how. We kind of all overlooked how Banner was able to recite everything almost verbatim when he came back to Earth, when historically his time as a Hulk has always been fuzzy. So, why was he able to remember so much? I mean, you could try to make the case maybe it was what what Heimdall did to him, or maybe it was a byproduct of what's going on with him and the Hulk and the evolution that's going on between the two of them. But I don't want to delve into that as much as I originally did because the Russo's also gave us a good little tidbit, which makes me feel better because I didn't really buy this either. That the Russo's more or less kind of blew, blew a hole in the theory that oh the Hulk is afraid of Thanos and that's why he doesn't come back in the rest of the movie. They they pretty much have said that has that is they pretty much said what you and I talked about last week about well my point when we were talking that you know the, the Hulk's you know in the comic books you know the Hulk the Hulk has gotten his ass kicked multiple times before and it doesn't stop him from coming back and, and doing what he does and and taking on the same character again you know he's just getting more and more pissed that. Basically, what the Russos talked about was it's an, it's a changing dynamic between Banner and the Hulk, and, the, and essentially the Banner the the point, this, that, ba- that the Hulk is kind of at the point where they're alluding to this that that the Hulk is kind of at the point where he's getting sick of always being called on to save Banner's ass, and that's the only time the Hulk's allowed to come out when Banner basically needs the Hulk to save him, and that, that's some of what's going on in the in the con- in the conflict. So, so in a way, when Banner was taught, made that comment in Infinity War about, you know, we got some stuff to work on or to hash out Buddy or whatever he says, that that's kind of really going – that there is a – who knows how it's going to end. They may end up – we may just get end up with the Smart Hulk at the end and having Banner more or less being – the Hulk and Banner as personalities be merged. But I do like the fact that they at least made it – they kind of made it clear that no, it wasn't just, oh – he got his ass kicked by Thanos, and now he's afraid to come out. Which never really worked for me, because that doesn't explain why he wouldn't come out against the Black Order. Thanos, maybe. If he saw Thanos in front of him, maybe. But, but coming out against the Black Order or in Wakanda, against the, all you know all the, all the monsters, that didn't never made sense to me. So that, they also said that, so that kind of makes me feel, so that makes me feel a little, a little better. Because at least it does add, and it goes along with what Ruffalo said, too, about how Avengers 4 is going to be the end of basically a three-movie arc. A journey that's going on between the Hulk and Banner that started in Ragnarok and continued in this movie and ends in the next movie. So, mm. so that's pretty that's 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 pretty pretty much it. Like I said, originally I wanted to talk more about a theory of why maybe Banner could remember all this stuff uh, as much as he did and related to the change between him and the Hulk. But, but the Russo stuff I found much more interesting. So that's the main thing. I, so I I just kind of wanted to throw that out there for. Cool.
0: Alrighty, uh, well, uh, have you seen my favorite meme about Infinity War, where it's like, maybe Drax isn't dead, maybe he's just standing so still. <laughs> <laughs> so the ashes are pretty quiet. We'll just, uh, we'll just leave it on that note. Uh, is, uh, how do people find us? Lanterncast
1: at gmail.com, the best email to find us, uh, com, the website. I'm going to be doing a new New Ring Cyclopedia episode real soon because, as we mentioned, I, we did the Facebook exclusive with the Michael Burke two of those rings uh, from Underworld and Beyond, and I actually have two more that I, I had been procrastinating on doing just because I haven't done an episode in a while. But by luck of the draw, Michael Burke, I have to show you. I don't. I have to show you a picture of this. Michael Burke had this really cool. Uh, almost like a prototype, a jumbo prototype of like the new White Lantern rings he's going to do. And by luck of the draw, when he was giving them away, I won that sucker. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that's so that's actually, in fact, that should be shipping out, if not today, tomorrow. So once I get that huge White Lantern ring, I'm it's, this one won't be a Facebook exclusive. This will be a normal Ring Cyclopedia episode because we're way overdue. So I'll do that ring and talk about it. I'll talk up the White Lantern ring and the Green Lantern ring that I got the, from him last time. And hopefully we'll be a little closer to, to, now that he's doing them with the 3D printers, hopefully we'll be getting a little closer to him be taking orders again soon. I think we're getting closer. He's also working on the Universal Ring, which would be pretty awesome to get. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be coming up on our website soon. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, use hashtag Geocast to locate us on either of those. iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. And let us know what you think. And tell people what's coming next, Chad.
0: The next episode, we will be participating in JL May. And as a matter of fact, stay tuned after the uh, end of the episode because I will be playing the trailer for JL May so you know where to find all of the participating episodes and podcasts for JL May um, so that You know, you got a week or so, a little little over a week. So just so you uh, know the next episode, uh, or if you want to listen to a couple of others uh, before then, I will tell you the event we are talking about, because as we record this, uh, some of the episodes are already out. We are talking about the DC Comics 2000 event, The Silver Age. Uh, And this is, no, we're not talking the 1960s. We're talking a series published in the year 2000. Uh, it's 11 issues, and it w- it was entitled Silver Age. So that's about all I'm going to give you on that front. Uh, I'm still doing a bit of research and reading myself, and I don't want to uh, give away too much. So we will obviously be covering the Green Lantern issue of the Silver Age crossover event. So... Be on the lookout for that, and uh, like I said, stay tuned after this episode and listen to the trailer for J.L. May. Uh, It's actually pretty funny, (laughs) and uh, we'll uh, talk to you next episode, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. It's J.L. May We're covering the Silver Age This J.L. May A comic event
1: from Mark Wade.
0: We're crossovering a podcast There's 12 of us involved Get it in your ear holes, this May We'll tell you all All about the Silver Age It's not great But it's okay We really have to warn you It has a controversial one where Mark Miller wrote the lead But it also has some good stuff Teen style h
1: Challenges
0: of the Unknown Green Lantern, Flash Patrol of Doom The Seven Soldiers of Victory I'll that too J.L. May event is upon us once more. 2018, we're reading The Silver Age from 2001. The journey begins in the podcast Justice's First Dawn and continues in the shows Relatively Geeky, Coffee and Comics, Supermates, Waiting for Doom, Idlehead of Diablo, The Longbox Crusade, The Lantern Cast, Batgirls to Oracle, Comic Reflections, Cosmic Treadmill, The Fire and Water Podcast. Do you
1: know it's The day. It came out in 2000. We got it right and we're ready for some fun. Do, Do you know, know it's jam- it, at
0: all. it all begins this time. To read Read the the books, books. listen to the podcast. To read the the books, books. let them
1: know if they will pay something, something.